Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer and today we're going to visit with Darren Fry. He is with Water Street Advisors and uh, kind of run down the markets uh, for the day here today. On a Tuesday, Darren, first of all, just taking a look at the, the, the markets overall, you know, it, it feels like we had a, a stronger start, uh, not so much at the finish here. Corn did end higher. Soybeans were up, uh, what, five to seven cents, give or take. Kansas City wheat gave back some of the recent gains. Uh, just uh, first of all, maybe just uh, uh, some thoughts on the markets overall. Here on a Tuesday, what were the main things that the markets were paying attention to? Well, you know, the old crop spreads have been very strong and strong basis out west. And we know we had a good crush report come out yesterday, as well as there's good ethanol margin. So demand domestically is solid, especially out west where the crop was smaller. And we've seen the challenge of corn to move east to west here all year with livestock and ethanol being out west. And I think the old crop, you know, spreads just say, hey, we're 30, 35 cents over May over July in both corn and soybeans. We need the farmer to bring us the beans and the corn and bring them now. And so we had old crop really leading the way um, up to these resistance levels. I think we just ran in some technical selling today as well as, you know, the new crop is just kind of waiting to see how this weather forecast rolls forward. Had a big warm week here a few days back, and now we've turned colder and going to stay cold through the early part of May, the first few days of May. So uh, I think once warmth returns in our forecast, we'll see the planters start to roll, and I think we'll put pressure back on this new crop. So that's kind of how I think today shook out. But I didn't mention wheat. Uh, It was a spread trade. Nothing right home here. Uh, on wheat. So kind of a blah, blah, blah day in wheat. Yep. All right. Well, let's take apart, uh, kind of pick apart those commodities individually, and, and we'll start with corn. Uh, you know, just looking at the old crop versus new crop, you know that the, there's, what, about a 70-cent difference, give or take. Uh, do you think the, the market is comfortable with the amount of acres that might get planted? Uh, uh, are there still some concerns? Uh, do you think the market needs to buy in some corn acres? What What's the situation, do you think, in corn? Well, you know, the report came out at 92 million acres. I, I question whether we'll plant all those. I think beans will try to buy maybe a million acres before it's all said and done with a tight balance sheet. And then maybe we give up a little bit here on corn. I think PP up north in the Dakotas and Minnesota is less of a concern today than it was three weeks ago. I still think you'll end up with some PP acres up there because a lot of expansion acres are in North Dakota. So I think the trade will will figure that out here as we go into May. But right now, I think we'll get 90 and a half, 91 million acres of corn, probably 88, 88 and a half million acres of beans. And I think the market will then look forward to what weather is for what type of crop on a yield per acre basis we would get. And so I think that's where the market is and trying to figure out how we move forward. Yep. Uh, you you kind of mentioned on usage. Let's talk about that. Uh, you know, whether it be uh, ethanol grind, uh, feed usage, um, uh, you know, China came in and bought some U.S. corn here in the last few sessions a- as well. Uh, are there any storage on, on usage, uh, any stories on usage that you're kind of watching right now? Well, I think that's what's kept old crop supply so tight and also the spread so so good is a couple things, you know, we might have the corridor close after May 18th. And if that should happen, then Ukrainian corn, Ukrainian wheat, even Russia getting their wheat out, that'll be challenging. And that's why we've kind of rallied up to these resistance areas. But China has bought three and a half, four million metric tons over the last six weeks. They probably are going to buy some more. That's what the chatter is. And I wouldn't be surprised. 
But I think longer term, it'll all come down to whether that corridor stays open. And we won't know that until Russia and the U.N. get to talking and we find out more about those negotiations. What about corn coming out of uh, South America? Uh, Brazil corn looked good. Uh, they keep dialing back Argentina, though, huh? Yeah, Argentina corn, probably they've dialed in the lowest numbers, I would expect. I mean, we got the beans down to 23. The corn, I think, the last I saw was like 29 or something like that. And uh, I'm not sure they got to go much lower there. You know, the corn in Brazil is safrina, the second crop, is doing really good. A lot of people like Stone X have come out and pushed up up to 130 plus. I think Stone X is 131. And I don't argue with that. I think things are going well. Normally you see a monsoonal flow that kind of tapers off. And that's the concern with a late planted crop like this one is. But, you know, we've had good rains down there and the forecast is for more. And so things are going really well. And that means competition for our corn exports as we enter our 23-24 marketing year. Okay. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about wheat. Uh, Kansas City, uh, as you had mentioned, gave back uh, some of the gains here uh, from recent. Uh, what's the story in wheat now? Kind of uh, watching what's going on in Black Sea or, or what's having the impact? Well, I think, you know, the drought isn't going to go away. I, I talked to weather forecasters. I think that drought's locked in. I hate to say that for all the guys in western Kansas, western Nebraska, western Oklahoma and Texas, but man, there doesn't look like there's going to be a change. And so we know there's going to be high abandonment. We also know that the yields on a per acre basis will be down. The soft red winter wheat is so good, it's not even funny. It's, it's as good as the Kansas City is bad. And I think that this spread could continue to widen between those two classes. But I'm not sure that we can go a lot higher uh, unless we can start breaking the 9, 920 level on Kansas City we start doing that, then yeah, we might have some lakes to the upside, but we got to close convincingly over 925, I'd say 930, to open the door for 10, $11 a wheat again in the Kansas City class. I think soft red winter wheat out of Chicago will have something to say about that, and will continue to be an anchor to that uh, class of wheat, even though we know there's a lot of problems out there. All right, again, we're visiting with Darren Fry from Water Street Advisors on today's Final Bell program. Stay tuned. Coming up in the second half of our program, i got a couple of uh, more wheat questions I want to ask Darren. And, of course, we'll check on soybeans, take a look at livestock. The second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell is coming up in just moments. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Again, I'm Chad Moyer, filling in for Susan Littlefield here today. Again with Darren Fry from Water Street Advisors. Darren, to wrap up our conversation about wheat, uh, you know, we talked about the Black Sea, you talked about uh, the weather situation. What about um, how many spring wheat acres get planted? Uh, you know, still uh, still some, some snow on the ground in spring wheat country and, and moist up there. What part is that going to have in the, in the wheat dynamics, do you think? 
Well, we'll have to see how that turns out. You know, on this last WASA report, I think some of the bearish surprise on wheat was some of the classes that they grow up in the northern part of the country. And uh, right now, I know people are planning to uh, add in some of those uh, wheat classes up there. The chart doesn't look as bullish as like a Kansas City. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what we do get planted. I do think PP is going to be less of a concern up there than it was. And so um, at this point in time, I would go with the projected acres that are going to be planted. We'll see if they switch any of those out. But the first acres PP'd up there should be corn acres. Darren, let's switch gears and let's uh, talk about the soybeans. Um, again, kind of strong at the beginning of the session. Uh, we did finish with gains, five to eight cents higher. You know, that that's a good day. Any day in the green is good, right? But uh, um, the soybean meal and the oil went in different directions. Uh, meal was down almost $5 a ton. Oil was up uh, almost a, a full penny. What, do, what are we watching on, on that, uh, on some of the products versus soybeans? Well, on the products, I think bean oil uh, is is an attractive counter trend move right now, and we could see a little bit higher there. But uh, it's going to follow crude oil. Crude oil uh, is trying to figure out if it goes higher or if it moves lower here uh, on the charts. Um, you know, before going higher, I think that crude oil is made a bottom. I just don't know if we have one more move to like eighty seven before pulling back in a larger way too. But right now, bean oil is getting support from that, also from crude palm oil that was up overnight. As far as the meal, uh, meal just, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what this situation in Argentina is like because Argentina has crushed capacity. They're not going to be able to fulfill. And right now, uh, other places like Brazil and the U.S. are filling in the gap. And meal feels sluggish, even though meal is what has led this rally the last six to eight months in soybeans. So, if meal gets in trouble, and today we had a bearish engulfing candle on the chart, which usually means that's kind of a reversal pattern, and that was in the July contract. But if we start heading lower in meal, then I think that you'd have some struggles here with the old crop bean values. How about for, for new crop soybeans? Um, what's the storyline there? What do we want to uh, uh, kind of be watching with new crop beans? Well, I think new crop beans are, are going to try to garner some acres from corn uh, and bearish new crop beans, but that doesn't mean they couldn't gain on new crop corn. But I think with the weather pattern and what we've seen uh, with this cooler weather, hey, new crop beans were a little undervalued, underpriced, and they're just gaining some. I don't see the chart. This this isn't a, a start of a move to $14, in my opinion, for new crop beans. It's probably a rally for selling. Maybe we could push up a little higher back into that 13 and a quarter, 13.30 area over the next couple of days. But I'm not looking for anything but lower prices in soybeans here in the new crop. Old crop, different animal, almost like talking hogs and cattle. Old crop, new crop beans, old crop, new crop corn, just two different markets. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up and talk a little bit about the livestock. Uh, as you had mentioned, uh, uh, very opposite today. Hogs uh, down triple digits in a lot of those nearby contracts. Um, uh, the cattle did end slightly higher. Um, wh- what's the story in, in cattle these days, do you think? Well, cattle, we just continue to see the product gain. You know, you got choice values, obviously over 300, select headed to 300. Uh, we've seen the Packers keep their margins, so they've been bidding up, and and uh, that's a good thing for the livestock the feeder who's got a feed yard and producing fat. And so we continue to see June uh, very undervalued compared to where April will go off the board and even under the cash. So I think June can add some value still. I, I'd still like to see one more push 
to a new high, maybe up in that 167, 171 area of June. But I think you got to watch last Friday's low. If we start closing under last Friday's low, uh, I think the writing's on the wall, and maybe we've done all we can do, and now we start pushing lower. But so far, fundamentals look strong, and it looks like the cattle market has more to go up. Not so much in the hogs, though. You just can't. Uh, we just can't string together a few days of any sort of gains in the hogs, can we? No, the demand for pork is really bad. I really can't explain it, but it's even you know some chickens being featured over pork and. You know, there's been a lot of technical damage to the chart. I am looking for a rally that hedgers can get some more stuff edged, but that rally could come from a lower level like 85 versus the June, but then rally back to that 90, 92 level. But right now, uh, pork going in this Memorial Day weekend is trying to find demand, and beef, if anything, is trying to ration demand. The demand for beef is way higher uh, and hotter than the demand for pork right now. So, pretty amazing to watch this yeah no doubt good to have you on the air today thank you so much again that's darren fry water street advisors joining us on today's program again a reminder trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss it may not be suitable for all investors that is today's fontanelle final bell it's brought to you by fontanelle hybrids and your local fontanelle dealer here on the rural radio network chad moyer reporting